Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall are celebrating 90 years of proclaiming the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. This month, we've been listening to classic programs from the Radio Vault. Today, we'll be going back to 2006 with Dr. Larry Spargimino. Before we do that, I want to let you know about our next in-person conference. The speakers you hear on this program will be coming to Wichita, Kansas, Friday and Saturday, May 5th and 6th at Sunrise Christian Academy. Speakers include our very own Dr. Larry Spargimino, Greg Patton, Dr. Rob Lindstead, Michael Hoggard, Staff Evangelist Josh Davis, Micah Van Hus, and Dr. Lonnie Shipman. Some of the topics that will be covered include Secrets of the Vatican, Israel and the Temple Mount, Who Owns It and Who Cares?, Real World of the Spirits, Chaos, Chat GPT, AI, and the Platform for the Antichrist, and we'll have a very special One World Update. Clarity to the Chaos Conference, Friday and Saturday, May 5th and 6th at Sunrise Christian Academy in Bel Air, Kansas. Now, this conference is free to the public, but the space is limited. So make sure you register for your free tickets to secure your seat at this very important conference. To see the complete lineup of topics, speakers, and schedule, visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. In addition to our conferences, we also have a number of brand new resources available. Brand new books and DVDs by Josh Davis, Micah Van Hus, Larry Spargimino, and Michael Hoggard. Check out over 1,000 faith-affirming items on our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Today, we'll be joining Dr. Larry Spargimino as he looks at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is one of the two greatest theological treaties of the New Testament. It is the Leviticus of the New Testament, detailing how the Lord Jesus Christ is both the fulfillment and the successor to all that had gone on before. From 2006, here is Dr. Larry Spargimino examining the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7 speaks about Melchizedek. Keep your finger in Hebrews chapter 7. We want to go back to Genesis 14 because what is referenced in Hebrews 7 is a historical account of something that happened in Genesis chapter 14. So let me read a few verses in Genesis chapter 14, beginning at verse 14. It says, And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. Verse 17 says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedorlaomer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. Now verse 18 tells us about Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he, that is Melchizedek, blessed him 
and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. In other words, Abraham paid tithes, a tenth of the spoil, all of the things that he had gotten in the battle. So that's the historical background. And in Hebrews chapter 7, the inspired author is going to explain the significance of the fact that Jesus Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. As a matter of fact, I would think that three verses that are extremely important as we try to understand this important chapter is Hebrews chapter 7, verses 15, 16, and 17. And everything that's in this chapter is really an explanation of Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 15, which I'd like to read. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, and here is a citation from Psalm 110, verse 4, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now in Hebrews 7, verse 1, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. In other words, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. You will notice something very important here. Melchizedek held two offices, not just one office. But it says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. So here, Melchizedek actually held two offices, something very unusual. And of course, something that makes him to be a likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this whole chapter, we learn of why we need an enduring priesthood. We learn in terms of what the Old Testament taught. And of course, we have to keep in mind that the author was writing to Jewish Christians. And of course, the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is a Jewish book. I know replacement theologians are trying to escape from that fact, but there's no way that you can get away from that fact. So if you want to understand what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. If you want to understand the blood atonement, the sacrificial atonement, if you want to understand what the inspired author means when he says, thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, you have to understand what happened in the Old Testament. The priesthood of Christ is so very important because what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, he did once and for all. God does not grade us on a curve, okay? He doesn't say, well, I'm a little bit better than that guy over there, therefore I'm going to make it. I'm not as bad as that person. I haven't robbed any banks. God doesn't grade on a curve. God has an absolute standard. And it's only by having a continuous priesthood and only by having a new covenant, as we will learn in Hebrews chapter 8, that we can have eternal life. Think of the story of the little town where there were two brothers. It was a small town uh, somewhere in the United States, and these two brothers were about the worst people that you could ever imagine. They were cheats. 
They were liars. They were drunkards. They were brawlers. They kept on fighting. You just couldn't trust them. They were womanizers. They were about as bad as you could get. But they had lots of money, and they did just about anything they wanted. Well, one day, one brother died. And the other brother went to the preacher. There was only one church and one preacher in that little town. And he went to the preacher and he said, Preacher, he said, I want you to have my brother's funeral. And furthermore, in your eulogy, I want you to say that my brother was a saint. And the preacher looked at him and said, What? He said, You got to be kidding. He said, How can I say that your brother was a saint when he Along with you, you're just about the worst people that have ever been around. So the brother took out $1,000, the surviving brother, and put it on the table. Said, look, there's $1,000. If you say in your eulogy that my brother was a saint, you can have that $1,000. Well, the preacher thought about it for a bit, and probably the Lord gave him a little bit of inspiration. And so the day for the um, funeral service came, and uh, the little country church was all packed with people. You can just imagine how it was back in those days. Everybody was a fan of themselves, and somebody got up and moved around. The floor would creak. You and I have probably been in churches like that. I know I've preached in many churches like that. And the preacher got up, and there was the open casket. And he looked out there, and he said, this fellow over here, was about the worst person that there ever could possibly be. Why, he was a liar. He was a cheater. He never went to church, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. So we got the $1,000. <laughs> but you see, God doesn't grade on the curve, okay? God is not comparing us to anybody who may be worse than us. God has an absolute standard. And because God has an absolute standard, we need an eternal priesthood. So we have to keep that in mind when we come to Hebrews 7 and to any portion of the Bible. Now, notice in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, what it says regarding Melchizedek. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now, it does not say, and some scholars think that uh, Melchizedek was just an ordinary man, but there was no recorded genealogy. There's no record of who his mother and father were. But notice what it says here. It says, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. I am of the opinion that Melchizedek was a Christophany, a manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ before the incarnation. I don't think Melchizedek was a life and blood human being like you and like me. Now, verse 4 says, now consider how great this man was. Okay, speaking about Melchizedek. Now, consider how great Melchizedek was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. The inspired author is making a big deal, and it is a big deal, of the fact that Melchizedek was so great that even Abraham, the founder of the Jewish nation, the great patriarch of the Jewish nation, that even Abraham honored Melchizedek, and even Abraham paid him tithes and gave him gifts. It would be something like if I went to uh, the White House and saw the President of the United States, and the President of the United States is a very great man, 
But if he honored me, we would say, wow, Larry's really important. Even the president has honored Larry. Now, verses 5 and 6 are very significant. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says, And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment. In other words, it's a matter of law. It's a legal requirement to take tithes of the people according to the law. The Levitical priests receive tithes simply because the law has said that this has to be done. That is of their brethren, that is the Jewish people, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he, that is Melchizedek, whose descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. In other words, Melchizedek blessed Abraham, even though he was great and had the promises, but Abraham received a blessing from him. And I think what's being said in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 5 and 6 is this. In the case of the Jewish people, paying tithes to the Levites was simply a matter of law. It did not imply that the Levites were superior and that the Jewish people were inferior. It was simply a matter of commandment. They have a commandment to take tithes of the people. In other words, they do it simply because it's required by the law. It's kind of like you and I obeying the policeman. We need to obey the policeman because it's a matter of law. But when we obey the policeman, that does not mean that the policeman is better than we are. He is simply a representative of the authority of the land. And we know from uh, Romans chapter 13 and other scriptures that those who have authority have that authority from Almighty God. So we respect him because of his title, because of his office, but that respect does not imply that he's smarter than us or if he's of a different race than us, that he's superior to us or that he's more human than we are. It's just a matter of law. But Abraham, according to this passage, was under no such law to pay tithes to Melchizedek because Melchizedek was not of the family of Levi. And yet, even though Abraham had no legal requirement to do so, Abraham nevertheless did do so. So once again, the inspired author is showing us how important Melchizedek is. And of course, the point that he's going to make is that Jesus Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And this is simply a way that the inspired author is magnifying the death and the efficacious priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at Hebrews 7, verses 9 and 10. Another wonderful example of the superiority of Melchizedek. Verse 9 says, And as I may say so, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, pay tithes in Abraham. In other words, when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, Levi was seminally present in his loins, as it were, because he was a descendant. Verse 10, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So here, once again, he's saying, look, even Levi, though he hadn't yet come forth, his DNA, his protoplasm, his very essence was still in Abraham. So when Abraham, who was the great patriarch, paid tithes to Melchizedek, Levi also paid tithes to Melchizedek. So that means Melchizedek is really important and really significant. So the argument here is that the author 
is showing the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in showing the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's also showing the inferiority of the Levitical economy. So he's lifting one up and putting the other down. And one of the things that I've noticed as I've studied the book of Hebrews is that it is so meticulously put together. The logical argumentation here is just unbelievable. Now, like I say, you have to put yourself in the shoes of of Jewish readers some 2,000 years ago. But once we do that, we begin to understand a little bit more about the Old Testament and about the New Testament and about the wonderful thing that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Notice Hebrews 7, verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood. Notice he says, if it were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also in the law. A couple of changes that the author is speaking about. There's a change of covenant. In fact, if we go to chapter 8, verse 7, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Once again, the same idea that there is going to be of necessity a change that has to be made. And here in verse 12 of chapter 7, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Hebrews 7 verse 13 says this, for he and that refers to the Lord Jesus Christ, for he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe. Now, there's one insurmountable problem that has to be overcome, and the author is going to be dealing with that insurmountable problem, and that is that the Lord Jesus Christ is of the wrong tribe. He is not of the tribe of Levi, and so you can see how the inspired author is is trying to cover all of his bases. He can see how all of these Jewish listeners and readers are trying to figure all of this out. Now, notice what he says. It's a beautiful, beautiful demonstration of what Jesus has done for us. Verse 13, for he, speaking about Jesus, of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Okay, the Judahites did not give attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. Now, as long as the Mosaic law was in force, and as long as the Levitical economy was in force, Jesus Christ did not fit. Now, what happens, or what did happen, if a Judahite offered a sacrifice in the role of a priest. Well, let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. There's a wonderful demonstration of this in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And we want to see the significance from the Old Testament scriptures of what the inspired author of Hebrews is saying here at this point. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, beginning at verse 1, we read these words. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, 
and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. So Uzziah was from Judah. He was a Judahite. Now let's go in 2 Chronicles 26 to verse 16. Speaking about Uzziah, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Now there's something very significant here that that shows us why what the author says in Hebrews 7 is so important. His heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense, something that only the priest could do. And Azariah the priest went in after him and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Now notice the response of Uzziah. It says, Then Uzziah was wroth, he got angry, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. It's time for Southwest Radio Ministries Question and Answer. Dr. Larry Spargimino has been answering questions about so-called Catholic verses in the Bible. We have another question from a Catholic friend. He asked about John 6, 56, where Jesus says, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. But Larry, doesn't this talk about the Eucharist? The Catholic interpretation is based on the assumption that Jesus was talking about the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. They connect it with the words of Jesus when he was at the Last Supper and said, This is my body which is given for you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But Jerry, the chronology is wrong. John 6 is not about the Last Supper or about the Lord's Supper. In John 6, the subject matter is not the Eucharist. It is about faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus has just miraculously fed the multitudes, and the people were seeking him. They were laboring for the food that perishes. They wanted bread. He gave them instructions about faith. In John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29, we read this, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Throughout the New Testament, the apostles went everywhere preaching the word of God and exhorting men to believe on Christ. They never exhorted anyone to eat the flesh of Christ and drink the blood of Christ. For example, when the Philippian jailer cried out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer was not, eat the flesh of Christ and drink the blood of Christ. Rather, Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's from Acts 16.31. And what did Paul say about the gospel? Did he say that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that eateth the flesh of Christ and drinketh his blood? Brother Larry, I think John 6.35 really proves what you're saying. Let me quote it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus was speaking about coming and believing. Well, that's right, Jerry. 
The person who comes to Christ eats, and he shall never hunger. The person who believes drinks and shall never thirst. When we come to Christ, we eat, and when we believe in Christ, we drink. And of course, this is what John's gospel is all about. It is about faith. John 1.12 says that those who believe in his name become the sons of God. John 3.16 tells us that those who believe in Jesus shall not perish. And in John 7.38, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Why should we think that John 6 is speaking about anything else? We've been listening to Dr. Larry Spargimino teaching on the book of Hebrews. This program was first aired in 2006. The complete radio programs on Hebrews are available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And to continue your study of Hebrews, let me recommend the DVD teaching series entitled By Faith, a verse-by-verse study of Hebrews by Dr. Larry Spargimino. In this study, Dr. Spargimino will contrast conditional promises of the past with unconditional promises of the New Covenant, exchanging the shadows for substance. He examines the just shall live by faith and addresses profound aspects of faith which challenge even the most diligent student. This study contains over four hours of verse-by-verse teaching on three DVDs. Order your copy of By Faith DVD Teaching Set by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Meeting the Mission is our special effort to match the $1 million gift SWRC has been blessed with. When you give to Southwest Radio Ministries, your gift will be matched. $25 becomes $50. $50 becomes $100. You will double your impact and ensure that Watchmen on the Wall and all of our ministries will be able to bring clarity to the chaos for many years to come. Friends, would you consider giving $90 in recognition of our 90th anniversary? Like all gifts given at this time, your support will be doubled and go toward meeting the match. 1-800-652-1144. That's the number to call and show your support for SWRC. You can also be part of the match by giving on our special website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. You can also give by way of your mobile device. Simply text 9490 to 91999. That's 90FOR90, and then text that to 91999. $90 in honor of our 90th anniversary would be an outstanding way to show your support. And remember, it's doubled during our dollar-for-dollar match. 1-800-652-1144. Online, supportswrc.com. And again, to give by way of your phone, Text 9490 to 91999. Thank you. Thank you for your support of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. Tomorrow, longtime ministry friend Rob Lindstead will share the power of the resurrection. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com.